As an engineering leader, you know firsthand that achieving work-life balance can be hard. Many business owners struggle with the balance between their personal lives and their work. This leads to stress and a feeling of regret. But that's not the case for the listeners of the Engineer Your Success podcast with Dr. James Bryant. This podcast provides tools, tips, and techniques to help you achieve success both in business and in life. Tune in. Let's engineer your success today. I want to welcome you to the Engineer Your Success podcast with Dr. James Bryant. I have the pleasure of having a great guest for you today. We have Josh Mueller is here today to just talk and have a great time about where he's at in life, how he's transitioning his coaching practice and how he's built his practice from his own past experience. Josh, how are you doing, man? Doing great. How are you? I am doing excellent. Now, we're going to have your bio in the show notes, but I want the the listeners to get to know you a little bit better to understand who Josh is. So tell us a few things that would not show up in the bio that they're going to read about you. All right. Well, one of the things is I'm a father of three, got three rowdy kids and two boys and one girl. The girl's the sweet but crazy one (laughs) and keeps our world rocking. But yeah, I've been married for a long time, 22, 23 years now going on. Been enjoying life. I actually have a musical background too. I played in a couple cover bands. That's kind of an odd thing that has been part of my life, but it's something I do for fun and don't do it currently, but I loved what I did. So I I see you have like a light blue guitar in your background. What's the story behind the guitar? Yeah, it's mostly a prop. Somebody, so I, I share a, a bigger co-working space with some other people, and that's some of their relics. I also have some recording equipment behind me. So we all kind of are musicians and people that uh, enjoy that kind of thing, and that's one of the things they've thrown up there. But that oh, was that, one of their personal guitars. So yeah. So th- th- you know that is cool. So a- as you know, you know this podcast really targets um, professionals and business owners with an engineering science and technology type background, and that would include the construction industry. Um, And we had a brief talk, you know, a few weeks ago, and I wanted to get you in on the show because I thought you had a fascinating background just talking about your journey in construction and in the trades. And I thought that it would be a benefit to our listeners. So let's get rolling, man. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I came out of, I grew up on a farm and uh, grew up, my dad was a a farmer builder combo guy. So I've got trades and engineering in my background. My my uncles and my dad used to build stuff whenever they would see a need when something wasn't made properly or heavy duty enough, they would say there's got to be a better way. And so mm-hmm. they'd go into their shop, they built homemade lathing systems, they built all kinds of the stuff. They were welders, builders. So I got I had the the privilege of having that in my background of just guys that were tinkerers that um, some would call them hillbillies, but Canadian hillbillies a little different, but engineers done around need. And so out of that, there's got to be a better way. I always had this desire to build and do things just like them. Mm-hmm. And so I went to college, got a degree I didn't use very much. What was your degree in, Josh? What is your degree in? Well, I, I actually went to school for missions and Bible missionary work and foreign country and didn't end up going. Um, That's another sub part of my life. But even in that, 
thought about using building and engineering in the field, you know, yeah. to help other people grow, start little micro businesses. That was part of what I was going to school for. But when I came out, got back in the building industry, I had a guy right out of college. He said, Hey, can you, can you come uh, work for my company? Uh, we're short on labor. I'm said, mm-hmm. sure. I, I don't have a job yet. I'll come work for you. Well, uh, I showed up on a Friday, got hired in. We were working on a big remodeling of a, a courthouse in Ohio and mm-hmm. showed up. And then right away on the Monday following, I was there by myself and I was wondering what's going on. And the GC of the company came later that morning and said, here's the binder. You need to hire a whole new crew. You just moved from labor to running this company, uh, running this part of the, the job. Oh, wow. And I was like, what? And he goes, yeah, all <laughs> the guys that were on your company, on your job, couldn't pass a drug test. So they're all fired. <laughs> and Ooh. I was like, so from clean living, I basically was offered an opportunity to run my first job within the first weeks of being in a company. Oh, wow. So that took me to a steep, steep learning curve, mm-hmm. which I really thoroughly enjoyed. They put me through a bunch of training and uh, I just got my hands on stuff. And I said, you know, I'm going to take this opportunity and I'm going to run with it. Had very little responsibility. Yeah. So wait, 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 wait a minute, Josh. So you're coming out of school, you get your degree. A guy says, come on, we want you to go ahead and build something. Can you help me with this? You're like, oh, yeah, sure. Help. You're hired. You start the job. Everybody's gone. What were you thinking? What were your emotions? How were you feeling <laughs> at that time, man? Well, a little bit nervous, but I was also in this naive point in life where I didn't even know what really he was telling me I was in for. <laughs> so out of a little bit of naive moment, I said, yeah, sure, let's do this. And, you know, it was pretty hard. And I had to do a lot of hustling around to work and find people to work there. And I also did a ton of hands-on, just dove in. And at that point in my life, I had tons of energy and no yeah. fear. So, yeah. Were, were there any lessons that you've carried forward from that particular incident that you can say that has really helped you along your journey as you continue to develop your career and start your company and do some of the other things that you've been doing? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. A few, a few things that really stuck out to me is that if you decide in your mind that you can do something and you have any remote capabilities, like your, your breathing and you have <laughs> half a mind, yeah, you can, you can make something. Uh, that's the beauty of America. You know, like we are free to experiment with our lives to try and grow something out of nothing. Yeah. And I really, really enjoy that. I really also gathered that what I really needed to do is put good people around me if I was going to be successful. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a lot of that in my background, although because I just hung out with the guys that were around me. Yeah. But to go and seek and find people to fill roles that I knew needed certain capabilities. I had to do that on the fly and I had to judge character pretty quickly. Yeah. And so I had to build a a sniff test, if you will, Mm -hmm. of what is valuable and what is not. So Okay, cool, man. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I I thought it was important that we kind of captured that moment just in terms of, of your progress. And so, all right. So now, you know, you've gotten over that hurdle. You're doing well in that area. And then what was next for you? Yeah. So I worked for that company for a while and then um, their residential division was taken off like crazy. Mm -hmm. And commercial was kind of chilling a little bit as far as uh, 
volume we were putting out. And so I had an opportunity to shift over into the residential space, building out neighborhoods, basically. So that was a little bit of a pivot for me. I ran a bunch of uh, neighborhood development pieces okay, and had had some fun doing that. Ended up being basically back to almost a, a lower position though for a while because just the pecking order, mm-hmm. you know, got to work back into it, change of position. Yeah. But it taught me, you know, I needed to, to value every minute. So I would walk around with all these different trades. I was more in the general, I worked for the GC as more of a site supervisor, worker, making sure that everybody did what they were supposed to or had what they needed. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I got to to hang out with a lot of trades, which was really great. Like the job before I was hanging out with a lot of trades and engineers and other people too. But this was more on like a, a home level, you know, it was a little closer to what I wanted to do long term. But in that space, I met a lot of great guys in their field and kind of got excited about, you know, there's a lot of old men doing <laughs> trade work and they have a lot of tribal knowledge, a lot of wisdom that honestly, like if you didn't capture it all, it was getting, it was going away. And a lot of the younger guys coming up weren't the same quality. And a lot of that is just that it was no transfer. And so I, I learned a lot about that and got passionate about it and was put into some opportunities to then eventually I started my own company Yeah, and decided I wanted to go out on my own and do my own thing. And then the recession hit, which is like, <laughs> okay, well, that's just great. You know, nobody, nobody wants to buy new houses. Yeah. So I pivoted into remodeling, which was a mixed bag. There were lots of opportunities because people wanted to finish their basements. They wanted to redo their kitchens. They wanted to redo their bathrooms. You know, the, the normal three, the big three that everybody wants to do. Yeah. Well, I guess they don't have as many basements down south, but, but anyway, you know, Decks, kitchens, bathrooms, basements, those were kind of the bread and butter. And I had a great opportunity to do that. You know, I had lots of lots of uh, guys joining up with me to do that. We had probably at one point about eight people working in my company okay. full time and then a bunch of sub trades. So it was great until it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, different people started to have different expectations. And every time we'd go to do a job, we'd run into this. I mean, people call them Karens today, but but it was kind of the unreal expectation people. Yeah. They're in some kind of parallel universe with mindset. <laughs> and they don't they don't think about other people. Yeah. And uh so I started running into these problems again and again and again. And it wasn't my guys that I was having trouble with. It was the customer and the client base that we were working with. We didn't qualify them very well. Understood. We didn't we didn't disqualify them from our operation. So mm-hmm. we ended up taking on a lot of jobs that were just headaches over and over and over again. Yeah. And um, you know, this led me to think I really need to get some help in mindset. I really need to figure out why I keep on running into this. Mm-hmm. And so I had a buddy who had become a business coach out of... He had been working in the doors and windows as installation space for... He's a contractor for probably 20 years. Okay. But then he shifted and said, you know, I want to I have something that I can influence people with. And that's kind of what led me to follow... To, to come and spend some time with him. Mm-hmm. And it was out of frustration and it was out of economic loss and just 
constantly beating my head against a wall in frustration, I, I reached out to somebody. And that's kind of where I got my head clear about some things. Cool. So, uh, that, so there's a lot to unpack here. One yeah. of the things that you talked about when you were still working for the other company, you shifted to residential. You had the ability or the opportunity to really hang out with a lot of folks that had a lot of wisdom that were in the trades, that were doing their jobs and could do it very well. They not only understood the technical part of the job, but the art part of the job and what they were crafting. And one of the observations is that, hey, some of these younger guys that are coming in, they don't have that same skill in art. And you know what? I need to hang around some of these older guys and get some of their wisdom because- Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of transfer going on. So you it's really cool that you were able to take advantage of that opportunity to get yeah. the wisdom while it was there. And then that helps springboard you to start your own business. You're raring. You're ready to go. Boom. Recession hits. Yeah. No, nobody's building houses. So you shift. Right. So you yeah. shifted into remodeling. You were able to show that that flexibility. But at some point, And I think this happens to all of us. We reach that point where we've shifted, we're going in a certain direction and we need help figuring out kind of what the next thing is going to be. Whether it's frustration, you were talking about economic loss, you were able to reach out to somebody whom you had some kind of relationship with who was doing the windows and doors. Now they're coaching and they were able to help provide you some additional perspective to help you move forward to figure out what was next. Yeah. And, and, you know, in that time, there was a lot of, a lot of mud that started to accumulate, if you will, Uh, Mm -hmm. almost, almost like a slurry mix of concrete around my feet. Yeah. Just slowing me down and becoming really hard and fast. And it took away the joy of doing the work Mm -hmm. because I started to just turn into this stress ball, like constantly. And it was really affecting my family interaction. I'd come home and I would just be mentally and physically cashed. Yeah. And I realized there's got to be a better way. There's got to be something out there that I am just not seeing, that I'm blind to, that I'm, I'm stuck in. So that was out of those pain points of my family suffering, my relationship with my spouse suffering, getting to a job site at 7 in the morning and getting home at 7 at night. Yeah. And just realizing I'm not enjoying life. Even my vacations were half phone calls and putting out dumpster fires. And yeah. so I was just like, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be something else I could do. And there's got to be something that can be more fulfilling and enriching. So that's where I was at. At Banowitz Marketing, we succeed when you succeed. Build a thriving family business with great marketing that actually works. How? Start with comprehensive marketing direction and a clear action plan. Then get attentive expert help and choose whether that help comes as done for you services or as done with you guidance. Visit us at thrivingfamilybusiness.com to get started today. So what was your better way? So you, you know you got there's got to be a yeah. better way. Something has to change. You reach out to your friend, you get help, you get some clarity, and then what happens? Yeah, well, in that process of getting some clarity, I realized that a lot of it was around that it was too tied to me as a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was wearing all the hats. I wasn't delegating. I was really, really holding what they say, holding to the vine really hard. You know, mm-hmm. you grip a rope and you're falling. You've yeah. got 
rope yeah. burn. You know, I had callus and welts galore from rope burn. So I was trying to hold on to everything. I was trying to make it sure that it was mine mm-hmm. and had my DNA, my fingerprints, my controlling mindset. Uh, my wife will tell you I can be a little bit of a control freak around ideas, <laughs> but it's mostly because I want it done right. You know, what's worth doing is worth doing right. And in that, I started to then suffocate myself by maybe hanging myself by that rope. Mm-hmm. And and it wasn't freeing. It wasn't enjoyable. It was all all work and very little gain. So instead of instead of building a business, you built a prison. Yeah, it sense something that was like keeping you captive. And I tied the noose, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was only a matter of time. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and it was really desperate. It was really becoming to a point where communication was breaking down in my company. I was getting angry around things with my guys, and they really weren't the contributing factor to me being angry. It was mm-hmm. that I was. I was at times being a seagull manager, you know, flying in and crapping on them and then leaving. Yeah. Because I had a limited capacity to keep moving forward and getting anywhere. I was trapped in my own cages I was building and I was angry and I, you know, I was roaring at everybody. And my wife saw that quite often and she would say to me, you need to get help. Like, mm-hmm. and she, you know, was threatening certain things because of just protecting herself. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't a good scene. Yeah. And, just being real, like that was the lowest point of my life was right before I got some other voices to speak into me and shake me loose of the things that I had been holding on to. Oh, wow. So I started to work with this coach and he was an EOS entrepreneurial operating system mm-hmm. specialist. And so he he taught me the system that they used and really got into talking about systems and building a team and stop being an individual, taking off your hats that you're wearing and making those seats in your company mm-hmm. so that the load is spread out. And a lot of these different thoughts are just super good leadership tactics, you know? Yeah. And so that started to really wake me up and set me free. And the more that I developed those systems and put those people in place, the freer and freer I got. Oh, cool. And it changed my demeanor, it changed my operating space. It helped me to be more interested in the projects and less in the dumpster fires. I let other people kind of step into those roles and do the things that I am not good at as well. I was Mm -hmm. in my own way. So, And I imagine that it had a positive impact on your home life as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It it set us free to be happy again. (laughs) You know, just come home and not be like every day I hate life. And so I'm miserable to be with, you know, and, and so that, that really set us free on a path of rediscovering our family and rediscovering family time and Mm -hmm. going to the lake and going on vacations, getting to the mountains. Like I like to, Mm -hmm. you know, all these different things that was missing and life is supposed to be enjoyable or why are we even doing anything? You know? Oh man. Listen, Josh, I want to applaud you for your level of, self-awareness, right? To, to be mm-hmm. able to talk about the issues that you were facing and to allow other people to speak into your life and to hear your wife as she's saying, hey, mm-hmm. there's some issues here. You need to figure this out. This isn't fun anymore. You need to work. Th-. Yeah. To be able to hear that 
and eventually take action is very admirable. And I just applaud you for being able to do that. There are a lot, there are people that are going to be listening to this episode that may be where you were, right? They may be struggling with issues. They may be struggling with work. They may be struggling with their family life. And what we talk about is really helping people win at work and at home. It's so important to understand that we are people first and the people issues matter. They show up at work. And guess what? When you have work issues that are going on, guess where those frustrations are going to bubble up at? They're going to bubble up at home. And so it's not an either or. We have to be successful and set up a winning strategy for both to be able to be successful both at home and at work. Yeah. One of the major things that shifted for me was the why. Mm -hmm. Why was I going to work? Why was I doing what I was doing? And I think out of the past, it might have been I was trying to prove myself. Mm-hmm. Or I was trying to be recognized by my peers yeah. and recognized as an authority in a space. But that only holds value to the point that it gives you life. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't life-giving. It was life-taking. It wow. was life-sucking, <laughs> if you will. No, I was gonna say, so you made the transition. You, you're, yeah. you're now going, you know, you're, you're putting systems in place. Things are happening. Life is great. And then what'd you do next? Yeah. So I got to a point where uh, people started to notice that I had some good things happening. My company was growing. I had some great opportunities to do some more commercial work in a... I was remodeling a bunch of storefront spaces in a like revitalizing downtown kind of neighborhood. And it was giving me some unique opportunities and unique relationships with some people. And I had a guy that I was working with say, Hey, I like what you're doing. Can you teach me what you're doing? And then can I buy your company? Wow. And I was like, okay, uh, I'll entertain that idea. So came along, we had some conversations and then eventually they decided to make me an offer. And I said, I'll sell you my book of business and I'll give the guys an option to go with you. And uh, how's that sound? And they made the deal. And and then that went on and it was great. It was, uh, I, you know, I got what I wanted out of it and uh, got got to a point where you know it was time to move on from that yeah and right after that the guy who'd been coaching me he basically said hey you like this stuff don't you and i said yeah i mean i i think it's it's really good sure help me mm-hmm. and so he said well i'm about to start trying to create something here where i have a few more coaches on board would you be interested in in looking into it with me so i ended up doing that i went through that time of growth pattern with him. He trained me on EOS, took me Mm -hmm. through a little bit deeper dive in it. And then I started as an assistant coach for him, uh, working in meetings and meeting a whole bunch of companies and got my my teeth cut on that. And then, uh, you know, I went actually got a call to go back into the construction industry for a brief (laughs) stint. A guy who was running a company said, Hey, why don't you come? Why don't you come work for me for a while and help me turn my company around? So I Attempted to do that in-house, realized mm-hmm. when you're on the fly and you're embedded with somebody, they don't want to listen. Yep. And so immediately, nine months later, jumped back into full-time coaching and said, this is where I need to stay. Okay. So it's better for me to be objective and be outside of someone's group so that mm-hmm. I have no restriction on me to be honest with them. <laughs> yeah. So, you have to be brutally honest. <laughs> we have to be. Yeah. 
And, and really, the one big problem inside of companies too that I keep on seeing is they're like pressed right up against their issues. They, yes. they have no distance from their issues. Their nose is right on it. Yes. And so to get a visual and an awareness around what they need, they need to be backed out to a different perspective, a thousand foot view. Yeah. And it's difficult to do that when you're embedded because when you are part of the company, they don't see you as something external. You but you get mixed yeah. in with everything else that they're viewing kind of at eye distance. And even if you ask the right questions, the perspective that they're giving you is not going to be the same if they've hired you as a culture consultant to help them come and grow their business or to help them come and deal with a particular issue because right. they're asking you, hey, I need your help with this. And so they're much more receptive to any of the ideals that you may help them come up with. And they can take right. ownership of that and run with it versus when it's all internal. Yep. And there, there's a sense too that, you know, there's this pressure to perform when you're internal, that you've got these regular duties to do, mm -hmm. these tasks that are already your day job. Yeah. And so to do them, to do leadership development, a longer day job is hard without someone poking you to keep on going. Yeah. You know, uh, waking you up, if you will to the things that you're forgetting is the most important work to do. I want to invite you to the next UnWebinar. What is an UnWebinar? It's no slides, no sales pitch, just added value. These are small group discussions that are designed to really be two-way conversations between you and myself, where you can get insight and advice on the issues that you're dealing with today. The overall goal is to equip you with what you need so that you can win at work and at home. Understand you do not have to do it alone. Sign up for the next UnWebinar today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, that, that's yeah. incredible, man. So you went into coaching, went to construction, popped right back out nine months later <laughs> into coaching. Now, one of the conversations that we've been having kind of offline is just the focus of your coaching practice from a marketing perspective and whom you're trying to reach. And I want, wanted to talk a little bit about sure. what you're, you know, kind of where you are with that and where you're going. Yeah. Yeah. So I started kind of broad and it was mostly because I had connection with other companies that were not in the construction space. Mm -hmm. But I realized very quickly that I need to talk about the things that I know really well for authority purposes. Mm -hmm. But I also wanted to just help a certain group and be really specialized versus just a big brush. You know, yeah. I wanted to be a little more focused and pinpointed on on certain things. So I started you, to think. You mean you didn't want to help things? everybody, Josh? You didn't want to help <laughs> everybody? Did. Come I, on, man. You know, there's a need to help everybody, but to be realistic and sustainable, I thought, man, I should probably niche down. Okay. So out of that, I started to really think about. Who are the people I'm passionate about? Mm -hmm. uh, what is the knowledge base that I already have? And who are the connections that I already have? And it just really made sense for me to think about the construction space. There's not a lot of people that are challenging construction people to be better. Yeah. And I'm kind of worried about it that someday we're going to wake up and not be able to flush our toilets and then there's no one to call. <laughs> I'm kind of worried that someday we're going to lose power in our house. And there's no one gonna that's gonna come and make those connections, and we're gonna be back to square one with things that. Now, I'm not a fatalist, but 
but I'm being honest that there is a a, a sharp cliff that's coming yeah. <laughs> of people that we we have a drop off of knowledge in this country around the trades. And so I'm pretty passionate about there's got to be a better way mm-hmm. to do this connectivity piece and training piece and to get people excited about trades again. But one of the biggest things that stands in the way of those people wanting to come on board is it doesn't look like a very inviting space mm-hmm. to most people. Education is heavily focused on people becoming lawyers and doctors and not that it's anything wrong with doctors, but it's very much focused on the exit of school. 80 to 90% is focused towards getting a college degree, which yeah. is valuable, super valuable, but it's also super expensive mm-hmm. and costly and puts you in a debt to even get your life started. So I'm I'm pretty interested in how do we uh, work with people to get them more interested in the trades. And I also want to work with the trades to see they need to open that door. They need to make a landing point for people to come into that space. And they need to have companies that are worthwhile coming into. Yeah. And so that's that's the bigger answer is to turn the bull's nose, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, uh, grab them by the, the nose ring and turn them and say, Hey, this is a big problem, and if you don't fix it, no one else will. And that's a, um, that's interesting. A, a few things come to mind as you're working through niching down, and part of it is we get into you're looking at two different types of customers, so to speak. The one customer are is you know the trade organizations and the trades. The other customer are the students or the people that would be coming into the trades. And so there are two different types of messaging that you're dealing with. It's real easy to come up with messaging for the trades. You want to create areas of opportunity. You want to make sure that your workforce is here. You want to be relevant in the future. You know, come work with Josh. Josh is going to help you be relevant, you know, in the future Mm -hmm. as we build this, as we future proof your company or your trade. I think the challenging one it's not insurmountable is the message for the people coming in because you have to be able to articulate what problem it's solving for them. And if I take something that you talked about earlier, which is we're going to wake up one day and the lights are going to be off and nobody's going to be able to fix it. We're going to wake up one day and flush the toilet and it's going to be stopped up or it's going to be a plumbing issue and we're not going to have anybody to fix it. You Mm -hmm. see it initially as what the problem is. I see it as the opportunity, right? I see it as, hey, here's an opportunity for you to create a career or something that is going to be long lasting that will help you build wealth, that will help you build the family, will help you start the business, will help you do all of the things that you want to do. So it's just really being able to articulate that message from the standpoint of how it's going to help that particular individual. Yeah. And I think there is a movement happening in this country to strengthen the middle class. And there's mm-hmm. there's a process that's going on to say, okay, how do we make these jobs packageable and palatable mm-hmm. and and actually like take them from a dirge <laughs> of work to something that is completely exciting, yeah. like invigorating. You know, as a kid, I was maybe a little bit weird. I used to love when Popular Mechanics magazine would come in the mail. It was like a jam. I was like, please let me read that. I want to see what the next technology that is coming that I can enjoy. Right. Mm -hmm. 
And every time I'd be like, that's brilliant. Why didn't I think of that every mm-hmm. single time? And so I'm seeing that there needs to be some excitement developed around the industry. Okay. Whether it's newer technology of housing, it's just got to be stuff that gets people excited that they want to be interested in. And then providing companies with a message that says, hey, we're the kind of company you want to come work for. So yeah. We've got this, 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 and this already in place. This is the pay. This is the, but also people might get hired for benefits and pay and possibility. Yeah. But they stay around the people that take care of them while they're there. So that's one of the other major elements that I want to dig into is how do I make the best bosses out there for these guys? Hey, this is James, and I'm here to help you win at work and at home. Let's connect. You can use the link in the show notes to schedule a complimentary session. We're going to walk through the steps that it's going to take for you to start thriving so you can engineer your success and live the life that you love. Come on, sign up today. How do you make the best bosses? It sounds like a great program that you're putting together, Josh. (laughs) Um, it, It does. Absolutely. We've talked about a lot of different things. During our time together today, you know, there's a few other questions that I would have. I typically will ask people just for a few general principles that you've been able to apply in your life to help you achieve success. We've talked about a few as we've stopped along the interview, but could you share a few more so that folks can have something to chew on and, and take back and kind of work towards? Yeah. So probably the biggest thing that I learned that really helped me is a a really good long-term vision for yourself. And if you have no direction or you're just waffling or wavering out there in the wilds of life without a direction, it's pretty miserable because you wake up every single day and you're like, what am I doing? Why am I here? What value do I even bring to the mix? Mm-hmm. So defining direction and purpose and what you want for life and out of life is the number one key thing that I would okay. say. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. Number two would be out of that moment, defining, okay, if I want to get there, if I want to have that dream, if I want to have those opportunities, I have to design it. Mm-hmm. And for your engineering people, designs all day, right? Yep. But we don't get anywhere with building something or making something without first putting it on paper and engineering it. So you're going to engineer life like you engineer a part or a piece. Yeah. And the components have to line up for the greater good. Yeah. And so everything that we touch needs to be a design element to fix the problem we're having towards a better future. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that I... I started to just look for in a mindset saying, okay, I want that future. Now, what are the things I need to design that make every single day a little bit better? Yeah. And so I just started to gather people and information and tools and build a system from my own company that that just worked. And if it wasn't working, I'd have awareness around those pieces. So that's the third part. Mm -hmm. The third part is building in catch points and awareness alarms that help you to see when the system's broken mm-hmm. or not working before it turns into a dumpster fire. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when there's some kind of low oil or, uh, you know, there's something's not performing, 
and there's where points, you need to be aware and then you need to redesign or you need to find someone that can help you with that point. Yeah. So, but part of that is getting a list of those things. The second part of that is finding a solution and then just stepping into that space and having that awareness and knowledge is really, really powerful. The last thing that I would say is making measurable moments every single day work for you and not against you. Mm -hmm. So what I typically do is I develop these rocks and that comes out of Stephen Covey's work and EOS picked up on it and some other people have talked about it too, Mm -hmm. but actually comes kind of out of my childhood as an analogy. When I was real young, I would pick stones in a field. Now you guys must be thinking this guy's archaic, but <laughs> but my but my dad uh, every single year in Canada in Canadian prairie fields there are these things called frost rocks and they pop up out of the ground and if you don't take care of them you keep tripping over on them you break machinery on them you go to harvest and all your machinery breaks yeah because you didn't first take care of the rocks in the field mm. so. I kind of built a life analogy out of that saying, what are the rocks I keep on tripling over? You know, in your household, it might be the Legos that your kids put down on the floor that you step on in the night. Yeah. That kind of feeling. Yeah. Or that coffee table you stub your toe on every single night. You know, what is it that you keep on hurting yourself on that you just need to take care of? And so I started to design solutions around those, loaded up, and every single month I'd have myself and my team just carry that weight, bring it to fruition as a solution, and then move on to the next thing. And doing those four major things in life are the key to most businesses growing 90% better. Wow. So Josh's formula for being a rock star, get those (laughs) rocks and move them out of the way. If they are tripping you up, uh, you know, deal with them and work with your team to develop solutions. One of the things you hit on in terms of engineering the life that you want, one of our things that we talk about is the engineer's blueprint for a balanced life. And so the engineer's blueprint is basically a four-step process where first you determine what matters most, and then you compare kind of, you know, what you say matters to how you actually spending your time. Once you're able to see that gap, we ask the next step is to, okay, visualize the future that you actually want. Spend time really uh, visualizing it, really get familiar with it. Think about how you're going to feel once you are able to live that life. Then the third step is to design a plan. So you, you absolutely have to design a plan. The last step in the engineer's blueprint is to execute that plan. You have to execute. If you don't execute, you have nice things on paper, but you don't, you actually don't have the change that you desire. So, um, Josh, I, I want to uh, thank you for your time. If, if the listeners want, we're going to put your, your contact information in the show notes, but if the listeners want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn and I'm also mostly just through my website, Josh at uh, maplecreekcoaching.com. Everything should be able to get to it from there. All right. We'll make sure that we include those links in the show notes. Josh, again, I want to thank you for your time. I'm going to end this interview like I end every interview. And that is many people know what to do. You know what? Fewer people actually know how to do it. And there's a select group of people that actually follow through, do it and achieve the life of their dreams. Josh, I want to thank you for being part of that select few where you're actually doing it You've designed the life that you want and you are making it happen. Thank you again for your time. 
Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Engineer Your Success with Dr. James Bryant. Do me a favor and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player. Many people know what to do. Fewer people know how to do it, and a small fraction of people actually do it. I believe that you can have success both in business and in life, and it's my passion to guide you on your path to engineering your success. Thanks.